Hello, and welcome to Conversations at the Washington Library, a podcast about early American history and the people that teach it. I am Dr. Joe Stoltz. In this episode, our Vice President of Education, Allison Wickens, sits down with Valerie Shaw, a 23-year veteran of the Douglas School District in Box Elder, South Dakota. There are still tickets available for our 2018 George Washington Lecture Series featuring Mary Sarah Builder. The first one of those lectures begins September 20th, and there will be one lecture each month in September, October, and November. And also, if you are not already following us on social media, please do so at facebook.com slash the Washington Library or on Twitter and Instagram at GW Books. Well, it's great to have you here today with us, Val. I'm really excited that you're doing your fellowship here at Mount Vernon. So are you been having a good time so far? Of course, yes. Um, some of it's been overwhelming because there's so much information, but um, every single day I am learning something new, and I think it's fueling me for what I'm going to do because I have a direction that I want to go in, but then I'm thinking of other things that can be done because of what I'm learning. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Well, Val is fuel. Um, I'm here today talking with Val Schull, and she is one of the lifeguard teacher fellows that we have invited to Mount Vernon to um, do research on a project that um, can be turned into a curriculum that teachers and students can use around the country. Um, It's important for us at Mount Vernon to really um, use the experience and knowledge of the teachers in our community to create our resources um, for everybody that we want to create and uh, everybody that we want to support in learning about Washington. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the fellowship program later, but I really wanted to give Val a chance um, to tell us a little bit about what got her into teaching. So Val, tell us a little bit about why you're a teacher, why you love education, what brought you to this field. Uh, Well, uh, my first college history class, um, I don't remember learning anything in the social studies realm, K through 12. I, I, nothing sticks in my mind, no particular teacher. So when I went to college, I actually was a business major, and I was doing my required classes, and I had a history class. I still remember my professor, Dr. Early, and I sat in that class continually taking notes, amazed at what I didn't know. And so the next semester came, and I said, well, maybe I'll sign up for this class and this class, and every single history class that I took, I was amazed at what I don't know. And I thought, okay, I need to go into something that I can be a lifelong learner. And um, so I changed my degree to teaching. And I have a composite social science degree because I wanted a piece of every part of the social studies realm. And um, when I go into my classroom at the beginning of every class uh, school year, I tell my students that I teach what I teach because I'm learning just like they are, and I will never be the teacher who says I know more than you or I know all of the answers because I don't, and that's what's fabulous about social studies, and that is how I ended up becoming a teacher, and I've been doing it. This was my 23rd year. So watch out, business majors. You just <laughs> might accidentally become history teachers yes. if, you don't want, if you don't look out. Um, and tell us about a little bit about the community in which you work as an educator. I think uh, you're from Rapid City, or you work in Rapid City, South Dakota. Yes, yes. and I actually live in Rapid City, South Dakota, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was employed in the same district for 23 years, and I taught 
sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I did a learning center. I did sixth grade social studies, and in South Dakota, that is ancient civilizations. And I never thought I would leave that because it's so fascinating. Um, so many different civilizations that you get to talk about. Um, but I decided it was time for a change, and the eighth grade teacher suddenly resigned. And I said, you know, I don't know anything about U.S. history, but that's why I'm a teacher is I want to learn. And um, I had done work with the state on the social studies standards, and my principal said, okay, we'll move you up. And I have been fascinated ever since. I never thought I would be interested in our early nation um, and the government and how it was formed. And uh, every year I'm amazed at how intriguing and how interesting everything is that I learn. And so my whole goal when I'm in my classrooms teaching U.S. history is to get my kids as excited as I am. And so I'm definitely not a follow-the-book, print-a-worksheet kind of teacher, um, which I think my students appreciate, but that also engages them. And Mount Vernon has been offering that opportunity to me for now two years. And uh, it feels what I do, but it also excites my kids. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your your kids and the students that you're teaching. Um, what is their response when you say, we're going to be learning about the founding of the nation's government? Um, I actually asked them that question. How many of you are excited about learning about our original government and how it was formed and our nation's first president? And you might have one or two kids raise their hand and I say, how many of you think this is going to be boring? And many raise their hands, and I tell them, my goal is to get you excited. And very rarely do I not have a student come away from my class saying, this was the best class I've ever had, and excited about what they've learned and put together. And they know what a big fan I am about Mount Vernon and President Washington, and they always say, get off your soapbox, Ms. Shull. No, don't get off your soapbox, Ms. <laughs> like, Shull. No, we have something else to pull in here. Go look at this. Let's look at this. And um, so, but the district that I worked in until this year, we are right next to the one of the two B-1 bomber Air Force bases. Mm -hmm. And so we have um, military students. Um, we also have Native American students. A Native American population. We have nine reservations in our state. Um, and then the new district that I'm moving to is a larger school district. And so we will have that combination too because our military, um, the Air Force base there doesn't provide housing for all of the military personnel. So I will still have um, those students that I'm going to be exposed to with my new position. So students from military families, students from Native American families make up the student population majority yes. of your classroom. Wow, that's amazing. And tell me a little bit about your new job, the, the, the one that you'll, um, that you'll be working on next year. I um, wish everybody could see the smile on my face. I am so excited about this opportunity. I, um, my new position is um, Ocheti Shakowi Essential Understanding Educator. And the Ocheti Shakowi are the original council fires, seven council fires for the Native American, American um, population in South Dakota. And so I will be working with teachers, K-12, in all disciplines to implement the South Dakota Lakota standards in their classrooms. Well, this sounds like you're leaving George Washington behind. No. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how George Washington plays into your new role. So um, 
my, my mind constantly goes on how I can include because your education department in Mount Vernon has so much to offer um, by including all of this. So the way I have used George Washington in a, I guess, a different way than how most educators probably approach George Washington is looking at his qualities as a leader. Mm. And those very closely resemble um, the Lakota values. And so I help my students see the connection between the two. Now, I fully understand that perspectives and interpretations are completely different from the 1700s to our current time, but that just opens us up to um, educating ourselves on those different perspectives. So somebody who might see sacrifice on George Washington's part um, in the 1700s may be different as somebody interprets it from the current time. Um, But I think it's easy to include George Washington in my new job um, because there's so many avenues. The essential understandings have six different parts, and one of those parts has to do with land usage. And so that is another way that you can incorporate and include George Washington and Mount Vernon. Um, We we know that he was a surveyor. We know that he was a farmer. Um, So including that piece when you're teaching um, about land management or, and this could be K-12. We learn about that science piece K-12. Across the grades. Right. And so that's a way that you could pull in George Washington and Mount Vernon. That's a piece that you're not taught out of the textbook. And that's why I say you shouldn't just use a textbook. You should use that maybe as your guide. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people don't, I don't think from my experiences, know that he was a surveyor and that farming was extremely important to him. Um, So it's easy to pull in pieces of Mount Vernon and George Washington into those essential understandings. Well, we can certainly say here at Mount Vernon that Washington fits every curriculum we can imagine. Yes. Every lesson. But I want to rewind a little bit. You just mentioned sacrifice in relation to Washington. Yes. Um, Is that one of the Lakota values you were referencing? Yes. Okay. Yes. So so you're taking those values and connecting them in some ways to Washington's life. Yes. This Um, is... uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, not just... Washington's life. Um, In coming here for my fellowship, I had a plan that I was just going to focus on Washington. And my first day walking up looking at the mansion, um, I decided he's not the only piece here that many people played a part in Mount Vernon and his successes and supported him. Um, And so I think it's important that when we talk about the values that we talk about everyone who was here and every part of here. So a lot of different perspectives at Mount Vernon reflect the Lakota values that you're teaching the students about. I think it's important to say, too, and I just feel I need to say this as an educator, um, the number of values that you believe in as a Lakota depend on where you're from. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, excuse me, in South Dakota believe in four, some believe in seven, and some believe in 12. Mm -hmm. And I'm choosing to focus on the 12 by Joseph Marshall. Um, He wrote an amazing book called The Lakota Way, and he tells stories that have been passed down through oral tradition that reflect those 12 values. Um, And so since that was my original learning experience and how I've really made growth with my students, 
um, within themselves and educationally. Um, that's why I'm choosing to go with the 12, but I do respect that depending on where you're from in South Dakota, the number and the name of the value changes from where you're from. Great. I'm glad you made that distinction. I want to just explain to the audience a little bit about how the Lifeguard Teacher Fellowship works. Um, you know, we saw an application from Val come into us uh, back in February, and um, she had proposed creating this um, this lesson plan, the set of lesson plans that connected these two ideas, Washington's leadership and the Lakota values. Um, we have an external review panel that looks at all of the proposals that come in in February um, and evaluates them for their ability to use Mount Vernon resources and evaluates them for their ability to be applied to the classroom um, and be used by teachers around the country and, um, and makes a selection. We select um, four, five, or six fellows each year and we were really excited um, to see Val's proposal. We thought that it was a great way to connect Washington's life to new and different themes that we hadn't done before. Um, and so that was one of the reasons we selected her and her proposal. It was also really well thought out and executed. But um, as we always tell every fellow that gets here, what you propose isn't always what you end up developing. Um, and that's a good thing because we believe that by bringing an educator here on a fellowship, they'll be exposed to new ideas and new perspectives that maybe they hadn't thought of before. So what are the things that have changed about your proposal since you wrote it and now that you're here? Um, how does being at Mount Vernon as a teacher fellow affect your work on your project? Well, <laughs> um, it's changed tremendously. And like I said, my first day here, I was going up on the grounds um, for a meeting and I walked up and saw the bowling green and the mansion and um, all over, you see green boards, and they start with a quote from George Washington, and then some information. And I just stopped to appreciate um, the view, the expanse, and how blessed I feel to be here and be given this opportunity. And I read the quote, and I read the information, and I went to my meeting, and immediately I thought, I'm not going about this correctly because um, the values apply to everyone um, and truly my hope and goal is by looking at them and educating yourself that you grow too so um, my original plan was to just focus on leadership and President Washington and how those values applied to him and decisions that he made and things that he did but now um, my plan has changed to use the interactive map on the website to travel around um, from place to place that are outlined on that map and use the character interpreters as a guide to find and locate the values within Mount Vernon. Oh, these are our actors on staff who portray different uh, people from Washington's life, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And not just focusing on how they see the values in President Washington, but students, because we want this to be student and education driven, um, have students see and hear these experiences and find them and defend them. So we have the character interpreters um, talk in specific places and um, speak as they would if they were 
on in front of the mansion or at the stables or um, at the distillery and they're speaking, in the 1700s. And they're speaking about some of the values that you've identified um, that we want students to be learning about in the classroom. That and for them to just speak to maybe something that they feel near and dear to their heart about what they're trying to educate people about mm. and then have students decide, do you see love? Do you see respect? Do you see wisdom? Show me, where, do you, where did you hear that? And then include those information boards that are around um, with the quotes and have students defend again, which values do you see in what he said? And then for the upper grades, you could very easily take it to the next step where they're actually looking up where that came from, what was happening that he said that. Because again, you have to look at context um, for the situation. So it sounds like for you in student learning, you really want the students to be analyzing. You don't just want to yes. an arrow pointing at this character saying, this person is talking about wisdom. Right. You want them to watch the video or look at the source material and, and ask them if they think that that is reflective of one of the values. Yes. And then they what, would they defend it with evidence? How do you go about um, suggesting that they really get, engage with that video? So um, I'm not... I'm only going to be using the videos. I am hoping to put together and am working on putting together source sets for each of those 12 values so that the students can go in and look at a letter that George Washington wrote or a letter that was written to George Washington. Um, I have some condolence letters that were written to Martha Washington that I will be referencing um, where they can pull out, did you see this? Um, I'm hoping to bring in also some visuals, pictures, and portraits so that they can interpret what do you think and then actually look up what is that about? Does that truly show love? Or does it show the sacrifice? Or does it show humility? Or does it show honor? Um, so really, the reason why what I'm planning actually works K-12 is because you can go from very something very simple where they're just listening to the video to actually looking up documents to defend what was going on at that time to find those values. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess maybe that's one of my um, difficulties is everything that is um, possible through this. Um, one of my when I wrote my proposal and submitted it, I really don't think this just, um, I'm, I'm talking about the Lakota values, but my ultimate goal and hope is that teachers around the nation will look at tribes from their own areas and take time to educate themselves about their culture and their history and implement that in their classroom because um, I have seen in my experiences our American Indian students sometimes um, do not feel understood and their culture is not understood and sometimes it's used against them and I want to foster an understanding um, and acceptance for my students um, I think that's really very very important um, is to provide that and so if I can inspire um, and encourage teachers across the nation by doing this lesson and showing them how a piece of your American Indian students 
history and your culture, you can relate it to what's offered here so that you have that connection for students because that's that's really important. If, if students don't see a connection, they don't want to listen to you. Right. Um, and they don't want to try. And so if you can make that connection and help students see that, educationally you're pulling them in and you're teaching them and exposing them to new things and they want that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that acceptance of who they are, um, and it just comes from that diverse group that I work with. I don't just have... Um, one race or one culture in my classroom. Mm-hmm. There's a variety. Yeah, and so you have the opportunity in this fellowship, and we have the opportunity in working with you, not only to create new lessons for people no matter where they live, but also to model a way to integrate multicultural student experiences into lesson plan building. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. We're going to have you write a blog post about that too, <laughs> then, Val. So really get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, look forward to uh, reading that. Our, our fellowship program happens over 15 months. So you're here. This is just the second week of your fellowship. Yes. Um, and so um, your final week will be next summer after a year of being able to apply this to students in your region. Um, and so thinking about um, bringing it back to the classroom and thinking about um you know, trying this lesson out with students and these resources out. Why do you think it's important for you to be um, teaching these um, these values to students in today's classrooms? Um, going back to acceptance mm-hmm. and understanding, um, understanding our students and who they are and where they're from. Um, it's it's important. I have seen through using the Lakota Way by Joseph Marshall III in my classroom and the lessons that I've done with this, students who never believed in themselves before or have difficulty finding positive things about themselves, finding their self-worth, I've used these and seen students make a complete turnaround. Um, A perfect example, just this past year, I had a student who, very, very quiet, um, wouldn't speak out in class. Um, when she would talk, she wouldn't talk so you could hear her. Um, and I do work with the values so that students can find their strengths because I really ask them to read what's been said and find examples of where perhaps they've done those same things or modeled them, and I have them do reflections um, in complete honesty. And I tell my students... This is between you and me. It's not going any further. No one else can see what you write. And um, the student that she became after identifying, I have done things of value. I am a lovely person. I do tell the truth. Um, She, she, all the time in class, raising her hand, giving um, answers, the work that she started producing in class because she became confident. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I've just seen great things come out of an understanding. And, and she wasn't even American Indian. But on the flip side, because we can't talk about the Lakota values without talking about the American Indian, um, many of my students who are American Indian come into my class um, very quiet, don't offer a lot. Even when um, I say, you know, is anybody here would like to share which reservation they've lived on or what your tribal affiliation is. But by the time we get done after four weeks, 
I'm Hunk Papa, you know, um, I'm Rosebud Sue. And they become very proud because they appreciate somebody taking the time to understand their culture and their history and ask the questions. And I always say, I'm not an expert. I am not American Indian. (laughs) I'm far from that. But what I have found with students that I've worked with and elders that I have spoken to and um, American Indian educators that I have worked with, if your intentions are true, they will help you like no other. And um, I think that's why I'm so passionate about helping teachers um, incorporate the Ocharya Shakoni essential understandings in their classroom because there's value for everyone um, through this process. That's wonderful. And um, on the flip side of that, um, tell me, or along, along the same lines, why is it a value for your students to learn about George Washington? Oh, well, you know, he is the founder. <laughs> he is the founder. I think it's important to understand because um, he's very complex. And I think there's a misconception in education, at least in what I have taught and I've watched my colleagues teach, at least at the middle school level and the elementary, at least where I'm from in South Dakota, um, social studies and science are kind of put on the back burner Mm -hmm. um, over the math and the reading. And so I like people to realize you can incorporate the social studies piece in the math and you can incorporate the social studies piece in the writing. And George Washington obviously offers many opportunities for that. You can, like we said, you can take the farming Aspect. You can take the aspect of what his home meant to him. Um, you can take the aspect, obviously, you have the huge political um, portion that you can pull into many things, especially at um, the upper levels where you, students are able to um, process and develop ideas. So everything about George Washington, you can utilize in your classroom. And I think perhaps a misconception is that you can only talk about it when you teach U.S. history. And that's... Talk about him. Talk about him when you teach U.S. history. But there's many other opportunities to pull in how valuable he was to our nation. Um, I know with the 4th of July that different things have been have been said. Um, but I believe if, if it weren't for his efforts and his belief in the forming of our nation, we wouldn't have what we have today. And um, so we have to look at that piece when we teach, too. Um, Different vantage points, depending on whose perspective you're taking. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just lots of opportunities when you talk about George Washington um, and ways that you can incorporate it in your classroom, regardless of what you're teaching from science to social studies to math to reading. And so it just affords us a lot of opportunity to educate ourselves um, since I don't know really, at least where I'm from, that that there's a focus on that piece. Um, you know, we have that push for what we need to be doing um, and a fear of getting away from the textbook as as our go-to. Right. 
Yeah, and um, for us, you know, as I mentioned early on, we think Washington connects to everything. So it's neat to hear you talk about um, George Washington as a good interdisciplinary connector to lots of different content areas. Yes. Um, and I think your project speaks to one of the things that's important to us is Washington's connection to teaching leadership and character education and character development um, and all these uh, great words. Would you mind just briefly listing, do you know the 12 the Lakota t- values? The 12 Lakota values, yes. Um, so we can be thinking about how they connect to um, the 18th century life that we interpret here at Mount Vernon. Yes, so the 12 that are outlined um, by Joseph Marshall and I, um, the third in the Lakota way, I just feel that I need to be respectful of the different tribes, and that's so why I'm referencing this is where I, sure. I'm taking my information from. I want to be respectful. So um, they are humility, perseverance, respect, honor, love, sacrifice, truth, compassion, bravery, fortitude, generosity, and wisdom. And I believe within me that when we when people typically in the education field think of President Washington, um, they can talk about, yes, he sacrificed and um, yes, he had fortitude and yes, he was brave. Um, but I don't I see in all of these examples, um, just because of my opportunities here, listening to people and reading things, that there was much more to him than, again, what's in the textbook. And that's why you can, once you start listening and you start learning and you start investigating and you get away from the textbooks, you can implement different aspects of who he was Mm -hmm. and why he was successful and was able to do what he did. That's great. I'd like to um, close by just getting your thoughts a little bit on the um, the teaching field over the, the 20 years you've been in it. What do you feel like has changed the most about teaching? Um, what's different now that uh, wasn't the, sake, the case when you started teaching? Oh, many, many, many things since I've been doing this so long. Um, you know, the thing that I've seen probably over the last 10 years is the struggle for parent involvement. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so hard to be a parent nowadays and get kids away from having their face in YouTube and um, video games and the rush to do in many families that have to work two and three jobs. So it's really important that we as educators do as much as we possibly can to pick up that piece, which is a very, very difficult task um, because there's so much out there. But on the flip side of that, the other great and wonderful thing that has happened in education over time is technology. (laughs) (laughs) Even though all of that is technology. It's the curse and it's the Yes, it's both. It's both. But it has afforded us opportunities and resources that we've never had before. It used to be, here's your textbook. This is what you follow. This is the information you have. Um, But now we have multiple resources and avenues to utilize in the classroom and um, where we can gain information that we didn't have. And so Um, little plug for the Mount Vernon Education Department here. Um, There are just 
I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of resources offered by your website that you can use in your classroom, not only the lesson plans that you have on there, and that's not to say that that's what you exactly follow, it's just an idea for you to go from, um, but also the primary and secondary sources you have on your website are remarkable for utilization in the classroom, and we would have never had that before, too. little plug for B. Washington also. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about B. Washington. Um, you know, kids love that, and they get to make decisions, and really that's what we need to be doing is empowering students, and by using B. Washington, which we would never have had before, students can make those decisions and put themselves in the in his place and what decision would you make and so problem solving skills that weren't afforded to us before too so well it's interesting I mean I I thank you very much for that that (laughs) plug I wasn't anticipating that Um, it is important for us we know that not every student and teacher can ever come to Mount Vernon for the on-site experience so we really work to make our our digital presence at mountvernon.org a place where students and teachers can engage with content related to Washington and the world that he lived in um, in meaningful ways and um, the I know that you've been such a great help to us, even reviewing uh, materials before they go live, um, giving us feedback and making sure that as we create classroom materials, we're really getting teachers' perspectives on those. Again, that's the, the heart of what the Lifeguard Teacher Fellowship Program is all about, making sure we're getting teachers who are in the classroom giving us the ideas and creating the resources out there. Um, and Val did mention our bewashington.org interactive. So um, if you haven't visited yet, I won't say much about it, but I will just say go check it out. It is a lot of fun. So I think... Um, Do you have any final advice for teachers that may be listening to this podcast about um, ways in which they can get involved in Mount Vernon? Um, Teachers Mm -hmm. apply for the institutes. Um, I I can speak from personal experience. It will change your life. It will change you as an educator. Um, And that's my, my big suggestion. But also I would say to anybody out there who has been here, Um, and experienced any piece of this. Um, It is our, I feel it is my my drive to go back and share it with other teachers. That's what we need to do for each other is support each other and give each other ideas. And so if you've been here, if you've experienced it, um, if you've used the website, tell other teachers so that they can be Um, using the information, too, because it's extremely valuable. Well, we're glad we connected with you two years ago when you came here for the residential program, and so glad to have the time to talk with you today. Thank you so much, Val. No, thank you, and um, thank Mount Vernon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations at the Washington Library. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.